this morning, we're going to uh, continue in our series called Dreamer. We started uh, this series last Sunday. Um, this has been in our heart for some time to talk about uh, to talk about this. What do we do as people whom the Lord deposits? The Lord deposits vision. The Lord deposits dream. Um, if we were to, like, let's start right over here with the youth. All the youth, look at me right now. If you were to go to them and you were to talk to them, they would begin to share dreams. If you started asking them, what's in your heart? What do you want to be when you grow up? And what is God speaking to you? Every one of them have dreams. And then if we were to go around this room, from the youngest people in the room to the oldest people in the room, all of us have dreams. We have things that God has deposited inside of us. But along the way in life, how do we respond? How do we act when those, when those dreams that are inside of us aren't really working out the way that, that we thought they were going to work out? What happens when, when you're young and you dream about something and then life goes a different direction? How do you, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it when the dream that God gives you doesn't seem to equal the resources or the opportunities that you have or or when it feels like you're going in the opposite or the wrong direction. So we started last week by talking about uh, what do we do? How do we respond? How do we live our lives as people who God has deposited vision in, as God has deposited dream in? And this morning, we're going to keep talking about that. Last week, we learned that the value of that space or that time uh, between dream when I have that dream and dream fulfillment is that it, is, it aligns us. In other words, there's a period of time between when God gives you a dream, when he births something in your holy imagination, and this is an important point, that space, that time. What, what is that space? What is that time? Why does that exist in my life? Well, we learned last week, and it really is the, the crux of, of this series, is that, that space, that time. It's there, young people, you're gonna go through it. You have things in your heart. You have dreams. You have, you have things that God has put inside you. There's a time between that dream right now and when that dream comes to pass and that, that time exists for a reason. It exists to align you to become the kind of person that can live out and fulfill that dream. And many of us as young adults or as adults, that, that space, that time lingers in our life and we're like, what is this about? Why am I here? We look and learn from the life of Joseph that that space and that time exist so that we can become the person God wants us to be. I'll, I'll never forget, um, I was several years ago, started a doctoral program. I was in a room and we were in a cohort and there were several of us in different doctoral programs that had come to this particular university, and there was probably a couple hundred of us, and uh, we were sitting in the room, and all of the faculty and staff from this particular department, they're up at the front of the room, and um, they get up, and I'm thinking, you know, they're going to encourage us and all of this stuff, and they get up, and they, 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 this is how they start. They start by telling us, most of you won't be here by the time this program ends. Most of you, 70% of you, are not going to make it. And I'm like, wow, that's some good uh, positive reinforcement. They said, listen, we want you to understand something. You don't earn your doctorate. You become 
a doctor. You think you're here to earn a degree. You're not here to earn a degree. You're here to become what's already inside of you. And this process that you're going to be in over the next four years is a process of you becoming what you were already created to be. Every class that you take, every paper that you write, every defense that you offer, everything that you go through is a part of the process of you actualizing, realizing what you were created to be. And, and only those of you in this room who are willing to stay in this process no matter how hard it becomes, only those of you who are willing to stay in this process will become doctors. Some of you are very successful. Some of you accomplish great things. But in this time, in this season of your life or who you are at this moment, you don't have the discipline. You don't have the stick to You don't have the tenacity to stay in this program. They said to us, listen, if you want to become a doctor, you have to give up every hobby that you have. They said, for the next four years, you don't have a hobby. If you have a hobby, you'll never become a doctor. They said, for the next four years, you don't have a social life. You don't go to parties. You don't have time to go to parties. If you want to go to parties, save your money and get out of the program. Was so encouraging, wasn't it? They said, for the next four years, not only are you going to pay a price, but for those of you who are married, those of you who have children, everyone in your life is going to pay the price with you. And if your family isn't on board with the sacrifices that you're going to make as you become a doctor, then you're not going to become a doctor because everyone around you who's intimately connected to you is going to have to pay this price with you as well. I left that room so encouraged that day. Can I tell you what, what I found it, it, is that they were 100% correct. By the end of the program, only about, really only about 25% of us were left. By the end of the program, the only people that were left in the program were people who didn't have hobbies and didn't have social lives. People who were staying up all hours of the night because all, every one of us in the program uh, were, were older people who had careers and jobs and all this stuff. We had to give up every, we had to give up all of that stuff, not forever, but for a season. That was, that was what was necessary to become what was in us to be. As we, as we are in this series and we're looking at the life of Joseph, uh, I want us to see and observe in Joseph's life that exact same concept or that exact same principle because God has called some of you let me, let me say that differently. God has called all of you to something. He's called all of you to be someone. He's called every one of us. He's given us gifts that speak to our dream, that speak to our destiny. The problem isn't that God hasn't spoken. The problem isn't that God hasn't given gifts. The problem is that many of us have never been taught or never been given the opportunity to connect to a process that brings out of us the potential that God has placed upon us. Very quickly, a couple things we learned from Joseph last week is you have to learn. Oh, let me read this. Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 through 5. In case you weren't with us last week, this is where we're, we're looking at Genesis chapter 37. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any, any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. 
Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. If you weren't with us last Sunday, I would encourage you to go on YouTube, and you can watch the video from last Sunday, or you can go to our website, and you can download the podcast. Uh, if you weren't here, that's definitely a message that you're going to want to hear, and you'll get some of the backstory. Joseph was a person who God had given a dream. He had placed potential on Joseph's life, and Joseph at 17 didn't have the capacity to handle that dream. And as a result of how Joseph treated those around him, and as a result of human broken human nature, the people around him didn't respond well to his dream. And we we learned a couple of things from Joseph last week. Number one, we learned that we have to we have to be capable of embracing our gifts without embittering those around us. We have to be capable of embracing our gifts without embittering those around us. This is, one of the, this is one of the first things that you have to learn as a dreamer. And every one of you are dreamers. Every one of you are gifted. And early in life or somewhere in life, you have to learn how to operate in your strengths without alienating everybody else. You have to learn how to be strong where you're gifted without taking advantage of everyone around you's weaknesses. You have to pass that test. You have, to, you have to learn how to live in your power and live in your strength without being threatening or hurtful to others. And many of us are, are not able to live out our dreams because we stay in that place of not really being able to wear the coat without threatening everyone around us. Secondly, uh, we, we, learned, we learned that if, if we're going to do that, if we're going to learn how to live with our coat, if we're going to embrace our gifts without embittering everybody around us, we have to understand that my behavior establishes expectations and boundaries for others. Joseph's brothers learned to hate him because Genesis 37 started out with the fact that he went, uh, his dad had sent him to check on his brothers, he came back and he gave a bad report. Now, I'm going to be honest with you about... I've, I've I uh, grew up in church. My parents became Christians when I was uh, right around the time I was born. And so I grew up in church, so I grew up hearing Bible stories, and I grew up hearing this story uh, of Joseph. So I've read this story a lot of times in my life. And just being fully transparent with you, I, for, the, for the largest portion of my life, I always read the story of Joseph through the lens of poor Joseph. Look at the way that he's mistreated by everybody. Am I the only one that ever read that story that way? I always read it like, oh, Joseph's brothers were bitter and they were jealous and they were angry and all of this sort of stuff. But as I matured, as I grew up, I began to understand that, yes, Joseph's brothers were a problem, but if you really read the story, what, what you understand is the biblical writer lets you in on a secret. It tell, he tells you in the beginning What's going on with Joseph because he's setting you up for later in the story when Joseph is going to be betrayed by his brothers. And he's letting you in on the dynamics of their relationship. See, Joseph had a part to play. Was his brothers wrong for being yet jealous? Yes. Let me help you, young people. I know, I know I'm going to keep talking to you today because I want to make sure you're focused on me. I want to make sure your eyes are up here and you're listening because you need to hear this. In life, people are going to treat you poorly. In life, there are going to be people who are jealous of you. There are going to be, I want to tell you this, it's a secret. <laughs> no matter how hard you try, sometimes there are going to be people who don't like you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Can I, I want to help you. 
Any other teenagers sitting in other places? I'm sorry, I would really love you to hear this. I want to help you. Get over it. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares that they don't like you? You don't need everybody's approval. You don't need everybody to pat you on the back. You don't need everybody to like you. You don't need everybody to agree with you. You don't need everyone to think you're great. But hear me today. You teach people how to treat you. You establish the boundaries in your life. Yes, sometimes people are going to come at you wrong, and there's nothing you can do about that. But the boundaries that you establish when people come at you wrong, how you respond and you react, teach people how to treat you. Now, again, listen, I, I was honest with you. I, I told you that I always read this story from a, from a defensive posture but as the Holy Spirit started dealing with me, the Holy Spirit started dealing with me and asking me to look at it a little bit different. Instead of looking at it from the perspective of being defensive of, oh, I'm the victim, people are going to come at me. The Holy Spirit started asking me, but what part, what part does Joseph have to play? See, the, on the surface level, it would be real easy to get defensive. But if you read the story and you understand it in context, Joseph had to learn how to be a leader. Joseph had to learn how to give bad news sometimes. Joseph had to learn how to manage difficult situations sometimes. Joseph had to learn how to be relational and political. And so the process in Joseph's life was him learning how, him learning how, yes, his brothers were wrong. Yes, his brothers weren't performing well. And so he had to come back to his father. It was his responsibility to give the news. But somehow Joseph had to learn how to do that job without alienating everybody around him. You and I have to understand that we're setting the expectations. We're teaching people whether to take us seriously or not take us seriously. Some of us in this room, if we're to be really, really honest, we're highly gifted. God's hands on our life, but we've taught everybody in our life not to take us in our dreams seriously. We don't show up on time. We blame it on culture. We blame it on Durban. We blame it on all kinds of stuff, when in reality, it's a character issue. We don't deliver what we say we're going to deliver. So people, when I share my dreams, people start to say, I'm not going to take that guy seriously. Because he says all kinds of stuff, but he does something differently. We teach people, we teach people that we're the kind of person who won't handle well a situation where they're not performing well. And so instead of helping them, we, we alienate them. You know, we could go on and on and on. You get the point, right? You teach people whether to take your, you seriously or not. You teach people whether to take your dreams seriously or not. As you continue to read in the life of Joseph, we have to understand, and, then, and I think we saw this last week, you and I must learn to expect that we're going to face rejection. We have to, we have to learn to expect that we're going to face rejection when our character does not align with our gift set. When you and I have a, a coat that we've been given that says, oh, this guy's in charge. Oh, this guy is gifted. Oh, this guy has this to offer the world. And, and when my character, how I live my life, doesn't align with that, then what that, 
teaches the world is, hey, I'm going to reject this person. And you and I have to learn to expect that that rejection is going to come. And in this process of God causing us to become who he's created us to be, rejection and the cost of rejection is going to be a price that we all pay. Let me read some more to you from Genesis chapter 37, verses 17 through 20. Joseph has, he's had his dream. He's had his second dream. His brothers hate him. And uh, after all of that, his dad, once again, sends him to go check on his brothers again. And when he goes to find his brothers and to check on his brothers again, um, he can't find them. And this is where we pick up in Genesis 37, verses 17 through 20. It says this, they have moved on from here, a man answered him. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan, but they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Man, scripture was not lying when it says they hated him. Let's see what will happen. Let's see what will happen with this guy. Let's throw him in the pit and let's see if his dreams come true or not. As you read the story, the oldest brother, the eldest brother named Reuben, um, he comes and he hears what's going on that these, um, these guys have decided about Joseph. And so he convinces them, okay, let's not kill him. Maybe we're going a little bit overboard here. Let's just, let's just throw him in the pit. You know, he is our brother after all, so let's not kill him. So Reuben intervenes, and instead of him dying, they, they throw him in the pit. And Scripture says that they, they throw him in the pit, and he's in the pit, and uh, one of his other brothers say, hey, let's, uh, you know, we can make some money off this deal. So they see some Egyptian traders coming, and they say, let's, uh, let's sell him. Uh, let's sell him. Now, remember the story from last week. The coat of many colors... The bright coat that he had meant that his dad had set him apart and said, hey, this one doesn't get his hands dirty. This one doesn't do physical work. This one's in charge. This one gets the birthright. This one gets the blessing. This one's in charge. And so the brother said, oh, we'll see about that. Instead of him being in charge, instead of him getting to wear the coat, instead of him not knowing the price of what it means to do hard work, we're going to sell him into slavery. So he's not even going to share the load as a brother in this house. He, if, he, if he's not going to do any of the work, we're going to sell him into slavery. He's going to be lower than even us. So they, they sell him into slavery. And as Joseph is taken into slavery, he's brought to a man named Potiphar's house. First, first point this morning that I want you to see is this. Every dreamer, every dreamer will face an identity crisis. Every person, let me say it that way, because some of you are still, oh, I'm not a dreamer, I don't have dreams. Listen, I'm not talking about a personality type. I'm talking about people who God have ordained and destined, which means every person in this room, Every person, every dreamer will face an identity crisis. 
understand that the attack on Joseph was a direct attack on his identity. His coat of many colors was his identity. So what did the brothers do? The brothers ripped the coat off of him. His role as the one who went around and checked on everybody and managed everything was taken away from him and he was thrown into a pit. From the most favored son who was going to receive the inheritance, he was turned into a slave. All of these things were a direct attack on his identity. Understand this. The enemy of your soul hates you. Scripture teaches us that that the enemy, that the devil, hates human beings. He hates us because we were created in the image of God. And so everything he's done since the beginning of time was to distort our identity because when he looks at you, when he looks at me, he sees God and he, he hates God. And so because he hates God and you were created in God's image, he, he hates you and he wants to distort your identity because he knows he can't shake heaven, so he wants to shake you. And so in the same way, that Joseph faced an identity crisis, every one of us in this room must learn to expect that the enemy is going to come after our identity. Every dreamer is going to face an identity crisis. Keep following along. Genesis chapter 39 verses 1 through 6a says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, The captain of the guard bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him from there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, but in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Listen, there is a clear case to be made from Scripture. You need to hear this this morning. While the enemy is going to do everything that he can to destroy you and attack your identity, there's a clear case to be made from Scripture that while the enemy may come after you, he cannot destroy you. He'll come after your identity, but he can't take your dream. He'll come after your identity, but he cannot take your destiny. He doesn't have the power to do it. What we learn from scripture over and over again is the enemy cannot take from you what God has promised you, but you can live your life in such a way that you do not align with that promise, therefore you never realize that promise. Some of us, some of us are blaming the devil for taking things from us that we've never been man enough or woman enough to go and take ourselves. We blame the devil for stealing from us things that we've given away. Yeah. 
through our character, our lack thereof, through our commitment, our lack thereof, through our lack of awareness, of self-awareness, through our lack of being disciplined, we give away what God has promised us and we blame the devil. See, scripture over and over again makes it very, very clear that while the enemy can come after you, he can't take from you what God has promised you. First Corinthians chapter one says, for all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yea and amen. The enemy can't take the promises of God away from you. The enemy can't take what God has promised you, but you can give it away. Just go to the garden. You can see. Follow along in Scripture over and over and over. You can see the process in Joseph's life was the process of him becoming so committed to the identity that God had given him that even without the coat, he was the guy who had the authority. Even without the sign of favor, he still walked in favor. Even without the label, he was still the favored son. Even when his title was slave, he still walked in abundance and blessing. Even when everything was taken away from him, they couldn't keep away from him God's increase in his life. Scripture teaches us, listen, the enemy's going to come after you, and he's going to come after you in the area of your identity. The question is whether or not you're going to align with the enemy or you're going to align with what God has said about you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Are you going to cooperate with that? Are you going to align with that? When they take your coat, when they put you in a pit, when they sell you into slavery, what are you going to align with? Do you walk into your slave job every day understanding they can call me slave, but I know that I'm son? Or do you walk into that slave job every day just saying, oh, this is who I am. I'm going to align with this identity. Joseph continued to act like a son even when he was a slave. Some of us have been in those waters and we come out and we still act like slaves. We go to a job where the man is going to oppress us and hold us down. And we just act like, accept, embrace being oppressed and held down. We perform like slaves instead of performing like sons and daughters. We do our work like those who are just trying to get by instead of those who know who their source and their resource are. We're unwilling to take risks because we're scared and afraid like slaves instead of operating like people who have no fear. Because they're sons. Take my coat away. Strip me naked and bare. It doesn't matter. I know who I am. So when I come to the board reading, meeting, I'm going to talk with confidence. When I'm on the Zoom call, I'm not going to be spaced out and looking like other things. Because I know who I am and where I belong. Put me at the bottom of the flow chart. It's okay. My father will get me there. I know who I am. Acting like a son or a daughter, or am I acting like a slave? Now, assurance aside, we must understand while the enemy can attack us and he can attack our identity, he cannot nullify who God has called you to be. And if you think he's just going to give up and roll over after one time, 
You don't know your enemy very well. He just keeps coming over and over and over again. Because if he can't get you, at least he can distract you from the promise. It is the enemy's aim to invalidate you. It's his aim to invalidate that coat that you wear. It's his aim to invalidate those words that your father has spoken over you. It's his aim to convince you to doubt what God has said. It's his aim to cause your life to be filled with insecurity. Here, understand this. Validation is an inside-out issue, not an outside-in issue. If validation was an outside-in issue, then Joseph's coat and his father's words would have been enough. But validation is not an outside-in issue. It's an inside-out issue. Joseph had to believe. He had to understand. He had to embody his sonship. He had to embody his identity as a leader and as an influencer. It had to be true on the inside before it ever even mattered on the outside. And some of us, some of us chase validation on the outside. We chase the right coat. We chase the right title. We chase the right job. We chase the right car. We chase the right clothes. We chase the affirmation of those around us. And we think when we get there, it's going to solve our insecurity. But the truth is, friend, until it's settled on the inside, it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. Some of the wisest advice I ever received in my life. We had started our first church. We've been pastoring it for a little while. And there was a mentor, a friend, who absolutely has changed my life. His name is Jim Rohn. And Jim is older, missionary, and just great man of God. Literally, literally birthed the church uh, in Nepal, southern India. Oh, just a absolute hero, an apostle, not like business card apostle, but like actually does something apostle, sitting with him one day and just giving me advice a lot earlier in my life, and I I told him, oh man, I want to get my doctorate someday, and he looked across the table and he said, you don't need to do that right now, I was like, what, I thought you were going to mentor me, I thought you were going to help me, how could you not be for me and write a letter of recommendation, no, No, you're not ready for that. He said, if you did that right now, you would be doing that for validation. It would be worthless to you. He said, you're smart enough, you could go get the degree, uh, but it would be worthless to you. It would be a title. He said, wait. When When you're ready, the program will come to you. When you're ready, the door will open for you. You won't have to kick it in. Some of us are kicking in doors because we're we're looking to be validated. He said, don't do it, Randy. If you do it, it's going to hurt you. It's going to damage you. It's going to become something that you affix to your ego, and it's not going to have value. It's going to be wasted. He said, "Let, let it come to you. 
Because when it comes to you, it'll be the right time and you'll, you'll be ready for it. Listen, friend, the truth is we're all, we're all going to face identity crises along the way. Times, what, I, what do you mean by that? I mean times when the enemy of our soul sets us up to question, am I really who God has called me? Is this true about me? Is this, is this true about me? Is this coat the right coat for me? Is it the right size for me? Am I, am I really this person? And over and over and over again in Joseph's life and in our life, the enemy's gonna bring us back to that same place where he asked, is this really true? Is this really true about you? Every dreamer is gonna face an identity crisis. And get this, secondly, every dreamer is going to face a character crisis. Every dreamer is going to face a character crisis. Joseph was in Potiphar's house. The Bible says that everything he touched was blessed and prospered. And if you read down to verse 6, verse 6 says everything he touched, Potiphar didn't have to worry about everything. And then verse 6, part B. I love this. And oh, by the way, Joseph was good looking. I mean, this dude, right? He gets daddy's fancy coat. He gets access to daddy's credit card. Daddy puts him in charge of everything. And he's good looking. Don't you hate people like that, right? He was probably tall also if I had to. Those guys. He had it all. And his gift got him in trouble again because Potiphar's wife liked what she saw. <laughs> There's a sermon in this sermon. I don't have time to preach it. No, I'm not joking. I'm serious. Like, let me just give you this. Write it down so you can go think about this later. Just go think about this later. The Bible says that Potiphar became complacent because Joseph was taking care of everything, right? All, he had, all that dude had to do was wake up and like, where's breakfast? He didn't have to worry about anything else. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird how Potiphar's wife's affection transferred to the guy who was actually getting the job done? There's a sermon inside of a sermon. Like, write that down. Go think about that. When we become lazy and complacent, what is that? Anyways, that's a thought, man. I'm just saying. So she likes what she sees, and she starts to come on to Joseph, and he resists. And she, keep, she just keeps chasing him, and he resists further, and she keeps chasing him. And finally, finally one day, she catches him in the house, and she won't quit. And like literally his clothes get ripped off of him. I told you his life was like a soap opera <laughs> last week. And he runs out of the house. And, uh, and man, she's like rejection on top of rejection. She just can't take it anymore. And so she comes out of the house. She's got his cloak. And she falsely accuses him of attempting to rape her. And so now he goes from 
He goes from being in charge of everything, everything being blessed, to now he's going to be thrown into Pharaoh's prison. Now think about it. Joseph had everything in, in Potiphar's house. He was, he was blessed. Everything he touched uh, was blessed. And now the one thing that Potiphar has that he's not supposed to, that he's not supposed to touch is his wife. And she comes and she says, Joseph, I'm yours. And Joseph has to actively resist putting his hands on what didn't belong to him. Every, every dreamer, every person in this room throughout the course of our life are going to face character tests. I, I, love, you, I love you so much. But I have to be honest with you, some of us are not some of us are not living out our dreams because we're failing the character test. We're putting our hands on things that don't belong to us. Oh, but, but she was offering herself to him. Oh, but he had power over everything. He could, have, he could have done that and never been caught. It didn't matter. He had to draw the, he had to draw the healthy boundary in his life. And he had to live out that boundary and even though if he would have just cooperated with her, he wouldn't have been falsely accused, he still held his character together. Dreamers are going to be tempted. Dreamer, dreamers are going to be tempted to misuse and to abuse their privilege. See, this is the character test that it, it seems as though the passage hinted at earlier in his life he didn't pass because he had been given the privilege to go and check on his brothers. And somehow or another, based on the way he came back and reported the news about his brothers. And I know some of you, you see the world in black and white. And you see the world the same way that I see the world. And through the lens of defensiveness and say, no, his brothers were the bad guy. But think about it. If you really you read the story in context over the process of transformation in Joseph's life, earlier in his life at 17, he didn't know how to use the power that he had. And it exasperated the people in his life. And here once again, he's faced with how do you handle this authority that you have? And he has to make the hard choice and he has to make the hard decision. And now he's falsely accused every Every person, every person will face moments where small compromises and large compromises become easily justifiable. Everyone will face moments with whether or not you're going to tell the truth or not. Everyone will face moments of whether or not you're going to follow through on your word or not, whether or not you're going to fudge the circumstance or not. And dreamers who live out their purpose and destiny are people who establish boundaries in their life and learn how to live out those boundaries. Jesus himself served as a model of, us, of this for us in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 says this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God... Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus himself, like Joseph, and many scholars would agree that Joseph is serving as an example of Jesus and modeling for us from, from previous history who Jesus would be and what Jesus would become. This same, this same exact pattern of being tempted by the enemy. Will you compromise? Will you not compromise? 
See, the, the pattern of the enemy, which was true in the Garden of Eden, it was true in Joseph's life, it was true to Jesus. The pattern of the enemy is to keep you and I in a place of insecurity, asking the question, if you are the son of God, if you are Joseph with this coat, if you are this dreamer, do this, be this, behave this way. The enemy wants to keep us in this place of insecurity. And the longer that you and I fall into the power trap, the longer it takes to walk in authority. See, Joseph, Joseph was had, he had all of the power in Potiphar's house. Nothing was withheld from him. And yet in this moment, in this moment, he was offered Potiphar's wife. And he had to decide, how am I going to handle this power that I have? Am I so insecure? Am I so broken in my understanding of my identity that I'm going to take what doesn't belong to me? Many of us are not leading because we haven't learned to follow well. Many of us are not leading because we haven't learned to follow well. When given power, when given authority, we take it past the limits that have been set for us. We claim things that don't belong to us. We put our hands on things that are not ours. We presume because of the coat that we wear or the title that we've been given that we can do whatever we want to do. And as we overstep those boundaries, we teach the people in our lives that we cannot be trusted. Every person in this room will face the power trap, the place where you're given power to make a choice or decision, but there's a boundary. And you have to choose whether you're going to use all the power you have or you're going to live in the boundaries that have been established for you. See, sometimes you have power to do things that a boundary has been established in your life that you're not supposed to do. And you and I have to be mature enough. We have to be mature enough when Father sends us to check on our brothers. We have to be mature enough to come back and live out our function, but not overstep our power. We have to be mature enough when... Everything in the house is ours, but we have to say to no to some things because there's a boundary. It really is a question of stewardship versus ownership. See, here's the thing, friend. In the kingdom of God, as long as you think you're the owner, you're failing the test. Meredith said it earlier in relation to our tithe. As long as you think you own your bank account, you're failing the test. Some of us are not tithing because we think we're the owners. And some of us, to be quite honest, some of us are giving. We're giving, which means we're designating our funds to specific things, and we're calling it tithe, which is supposed to be returned to the house of the Lord, because we're still trying to behave like owners. And we give and we give and we give and we take, we take sermons that have been preached out of context to keep you and I in materialism and slavery and we apply it to our life and yet we're not being obedient to the Lord. And we don't understand why am I not walking in favor. This is the truth. Some of us, our time, our energy, we make choices and decisions as if we're the owner all the while. God has established boundaries for us because we're not the owners, we're stewards. We're stewards of our time. We're stewards of our energy. We're stewards of our talents. None of your talents belong to you. 
No, pastor, I worked hard on this. I developed this. I got this degree. Yeah, but you couldn't breathe the air that you breathe to get to that place had it not been for a creator God who gave you capacity to do that. It never belonged to you. Anything you've done, you've only done it because he's enabled you to do it. Until that's settled inside of you, you're failing the power trap. I'm failing the power trap. And I'm behaving like an owner instead of a steward. Jesus, even as God, understood that here on the earth, he would not, he would not take, he would not take what it didn't belong to him. He would he understood that. That he was under authority. He submitted himself as a part of the triune God. He submitted himself to the Father. He submitted himself to the Holy Spirit. And when the enemy came to him and said, If, if you are truly the Son of God, do this, prove yourself. Jesus said, I'm not going to play this game. I'm not going to prove anything to you. Every dreamer faces the temptation, the trap. Do I got to prove myself? I want to help you today. I want to relieve your burden. You don't have to prove yourself. You just live out who God has created you to be. Every, every dreamer will fight, face that character, that character trap. And every, every dreamer will face the concession crisis. Joseph, Joseph had to decide, am I going to concede? Am I, gonna, am I going to enjoy everything that's here? Jesus, as he was tempted by Satan, had to decide, am I going to concede? Satan came to him and said, turn this bread into a stone. Took Jesus through all of these different things to try to get Jesus to prove himself. And then lastly, he said, Jesus, if you'll just, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you all of this kingdom. It can be yours. Go read it in your daily 20. Jesus said, nope, I'm not falling into this trap. I'm not conceding. I'm not accepting a little bit. I want it all. Joseph could have very easily accepted and thought what he had in Potiphar's house was the culmination of all that God had for him. But the lesson for Joseph was that what the success that he had in Potiphar's house was only a shadow of where God was taking him. What Satan offered Jesus that day was only a shadow of the kingdom that belonged to him as God. Every one of us as dreamers will be tempted with, we will face that shadow dream, that thing that looks like what God has called us to, but it's not quite it. Not quite there. Will you settle? Will I settle? Will I take it? My friend, Jim, couldn't have given me better advice because at that point in that place in that time in my life, I was so insecure. I was so in need of affirmation, so prideful. I would have just became a label that I wore. It would have become a notch in my belt. It would have become a process that I went through to prove myself. And I would have went around the rest of my life thinking, oh, 
this is who I am and this is what I am. It was only in the process that God brought me to a place where he prepared me to be ready for a moment and a season that made sense, that added value to my life, that helped me to become the person he had called me to be. And instead of something that built me up, instead of something that propped up my ego, honestly, I came out of that doctoral program more convinced that I knew less than I ever knew. I came out with far more questions than answers. came out understanding how much I didn't understand because in that moment I was, was ready for that. Joseph had to decide. He had to decide, do, do I go along with Potiphar's wife? Do I protect? Do I isolate? Do I take what doesn't belong to me just to pacify, just to keep this together? Or do I allow it to blow up because this isn't the end? This isn't the promise. This isn't all that God has for me. Remember, the dream wasn't just that he would be prosperous and blessed. It, it, it was also that under his cover would be his family and that they would be saved as a result. He couldn't have possibly understood that. What he did understand was this. This isn't it. And so I'm not going to protect what doesn't belong to me because I'm a steward, not an owner. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has been ascended to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every area just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, this confession about Jesus takes into consideration what we read earlier, that Jesus was tempted in the same way that you and I are tempted as dreamers. We're tempted to put our hands on things that we don't belong. We're tempted to stay in places of brokenness and insecurity and fear. We're tempted. We're tempted to think that we're owners instead of stewards. We're tempted to, con to concede God's best for good. Potiphar's house was good. Joseph had it good, but it wasn't best. When you're a dreamer, when you're a dreamer, when you're gifted, when you're wearing the coat, your choices aren't going to be as simple as a choice between bad and good. Oftentimes, as you go through the process of God doing his work in your life, you're learning the difference between choosing good and best. And maturity, maturity means recognizing while this may be good, it's not best. How do I know the difference, pastor? Well, if staying in that place of good means compromising your character, if staying in this place of blessing means compromising your integrity, then friend, it's a clear indication. It's a clear sign. That's not God's best. 